What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, August 15th, 2021, and this week's episode, Veterans at Crossroads. We'll be talking about the first night of the PFL playoffs. Ray Cooper III advances for a rematch with Magomed Magomed Karimov for the welterweight final. And of course, Roush Manfio and Loik Radzvodov is the new matchup in the lightweight final. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about Gegard Musasi defending his title in Bellator. And we'll talk the latest in MMA news. Anderson Silva and Tito Ortiz to enter in a boxing fight for Triller. We'll talk about the chatter around town, the latest with Rose Nama Yunus, Sean O'Malley, Gable Stevenson, and others. And finally, we'll cap it off. We'll talk about UFC Vegas 34 and the middleweight fight between Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Another hot, hot day in Southern California, and uh, I think we're going to be experiencing some heat for a while longer, right? Not till, uh, well, used to be like September, end of September, October. I don't know what's going to happen now. The earth is not happy with us. You know what? Uh, I will say that uh, you feel it when it takes uh, summer a while to get rolling, which I feel like this year definitely did. And now anything, anytime anything happens, I'm just like, you know what? Just give me another one of those my fall plans, Delta variant memes and just, you know, <laughs> I, I'm so like, I'll be honest, I'm so disconnected from like this or that. I'm like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens, man. Give me a, a quarantini and a, and a exactly. COVID warning. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just just make the call and let me react and do what's best for me after. Because at this, at this point, it's just like, what am I going to do? Wait around and worry all day? You know, like I got life I'm trying to live. But yeah, <laughs> so um, busy weekend. We actually had a busy Friday, but a free Saturday. So that was a, you know, that was a rare one. We're being quite honest. The big one, Friday night, the PFL playoffs, Ray Cooper III gets the job done. Uh, I'll say this. This is probably the most anticipated fight of season three. It's been anticipated since Rory, you know, over a year ago signed with PFL and remembered that they didn't have a season in 2020. So people kind of been waiting to see him in the promotion and this fight for a minute and really, I think the most shocking thing was just how much of a non-event it was. I, I gotta say, I don't think that Ray Cooper was ever really threatened with anything. I thought there were a few exchanges that, you know, he ate from Rory. But besides that, it was just wrestling. And I think at the end of the day, Rory just had nothing for him. He could not get him to respect him on the feet. And he did not have an answer to submit him or get off of his back on the ground and really that was just 15 minutes of a beatdown what were your thoughts yeah man it really was a beatdown look i'm gonna look at i looked at this when i watched the fight as like forget about who rory mcdonald you know what great things we've seen from him in the past but i'm looking at this guy human to human and if i'm just looking at him as a human being standing in a room i'm thinking that man does not want to be in that room. That's it. Like you just look at his eyes. 
He wanted to be anywhere but there. His heart was not into it. It, it could have been, you know, he could have been standing in a McDonald's. I'd be like, that man does not want McDonald's today. And and that day, Roy McDonald did not want anything to do with an MMA fight, anything to do with anything, Ray Cooper, nothing. I'm not saying that that's going to be the Rory we see in the future if he continues to fight, but on that day, he was not having MMA. He was not having anything. He just kind of, I literally said aloud, like, does he want to lose? I mean, it was very bizarre, especially, you know, as the rounds were, were you know, round two, round three, it's like, hey, you got to do something miraculous here. And it was almost like he wanted to get taken down because he knew what was going to happen to him when he got taken down. Like he didn't have an answer for it, but he still kept going for takedowns. It was super bizarre, you know, rewatch it and you'll see like, yeah, Ray Cooper has heavy hands and I think they hurt Rory and he didn't want to, you know, stay on the feet with him. But it's like, then, then you don't have an option really. Right. Cause if you take him down, he holds you down. It was mostly bizarre. Um, and kind of disappointing, but, but I think if you look at Rory's career, like, has he ever been more exciting than he was against Robbie Lawler? Like, post that fight? No. And, um, you know, maybe we just have to say, well, you know, like, okay, we're always going to remember Rory McDonald mostly for that fight. Like, that's like the height of his MMA career. That's like his legacy moment. And then everything else is like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he was a great fighter. He won the Bellator belt and, you know, whatever. PFL is going to be sort of the, the part we don't talk about at all, I think, when we look back at his career, whenever that moment comes. I mean, to me, the and I want to acknowledge that um, when you got a powerful athlete and, you know, that brother boy from Hawaii, as you know, he likes to say, Ray Cooper on top of you with that strength and just those skills, uh, it's very hard for a lot of people. And we've come to realize that. The thing that shocked me the most was there are a couple exchanges throughout the fight where I'm like, Rory's just kind of there. He's being passive. And I felt like there were a few times that Ray, you know, he was stationary. He was resting. He was looking to improve the position. He wasn't necessarily, you know, mauling Rory or smothering him. And in those moments, I was like, I need to see Rory do something. I need, you know, throw your legs up. I don't care. It's got to be better than what's happening to you right now. Try to get your, you know, feet on the hips, something. And instead, it just seemed like he was, he, you know, he was so passive and kind of remaining defensive with the guard. And I don't know if he thought maybe I'll find something if I keep hanging in here. But there were a few times there where I was just like, I, I did not see the sense of urgency that you knew he needed to have. He was not close to submission attempts. He was not close to uh, doing damage on the feet. And so I think that there were just times there where I, I did wonder, was he, uh, I don't know, is that where he feels like he's slowing down? Was it maybe we're not giving enough credit to Ray Cooper? But I do feel like there were a couple times there where I did not see the sense of urgency I needed from Rory. And once again, that's always easier said than done as a spectator. But if we're talking about now what's next for him, I can't tell you that I see him as a force at welterweight any longer. And I think that you've got to acknowledge one of those things. He's had a fantastically long career for a guy his age. Remember, he was the youngest guy ever on the UFC roster. He was fighting guys 
like Carlos Condit for crying out loud when he was like 19, 20 years old. He's had a, and yes, he was the war with Robbie and then the next roar with Robbie, you know. And so one thing I acknowledge is that when he was really, when it was all clicking for him, he was very tall, long, athletic, well-rounded at a time when everybody still was getting there in the welterweight division. And I think the one thing, you know, he maybe didn't have was that explosive power. He's long, he's fast, he's strong, but he's not going to come out like a bullet and he's not going to crack you with dynamite. Okay. Um, but I think that we've seen ever since, let's say about the John Fitch fight, and you could argue since the Giga Musasi loss in Bellator, he just, he's been in some winnable fights that you feel like he should have been able to dominate. And I think he's getting, he's kind of gotten by. And the um, uh, Curtis, who he fought on short, who's a replacement for him in his debut, he looked fantastic there, but I think that that was more of a, um, Curtis was over his, you know, he was overmatched going into the fight with Rory. But when I think about those losses to um, welterweights, uh, John... John Fitch, Rory wins by the skin of his teeth, right? I think it's a draw, but he moves on. Neiman Gracie, they spent a lot of time on the feet, which is where Rory was expected to dominate, and instead we're going to a decision that was not a blowout. Okay, and then we remember the loss to Douglas Lima. I can't tell you it's looked good for Rory, and even though I did score the fight against Tebow for him, this is Glace and Tebow. This is a former lightweight. I'm sorry, but Rory McDonald, who we think can be a champion in two organizations, should be able to handle business. And instead, you know, the fact that it went anywhere close to a split decision, really, I, I think that um, it's just one of those things. I think that because he's had such a long career, we're seeing maybe it catches up to him because he's made the changes. His body got time off in 2020. He's at a new camp in Sanford. I really don't know what else uh, to say about it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky one because you know we we've heard him talk about um, like when did it start getting sort of uh, sketchy, right? At Bellator, he had you laid it out perfectly, and you know he talked about not having the killer instinct anymore, and everyone made so much hay about it. And then the next fight, he said, "Oh no, I just needed to figure some things out, and I'm fine now." And, but yeah, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster since departing from the UFC, and still he was Bellator champion. Um, but I, I was wondering, like, is it confidence? Is it desire? Is it skill set? Like, what's the shortcoming here? And then I, I also wondered, like, you know, when you want to stay with the UFC, because which fighter doesn't? You want to stay there, but they don't give you the money you think you deserve, and you go to another promotion. Like, does that affect your confidence? Are you are you like bummed out, you know, that they didn't think highly of you enough to pay for what you thought you were worth. Um, and, and does that keep happening? Like with Bellator, when they were, wouldn't give him enough that he, what he wanted. And so he went to PFL. Like, is there anything in that going from promotion to pro promotion that affects your confidence and then affects your performance? Or is it more just father time? He's been in it, as you said, since he was really young, you know, just the body's been worn down the mind and maybe doesn't get as excited for it. You know, it's probably everything and um, and then some. It's just 
strange because because Rory is so special and still is pretty young, and everyone still gets excited to to watch a fight that he's in. But if you think about it, most of his latest fights have been very lackluster. Yeah, I think that it just comes down to um, uh, maybe he only he knows really. Like, what do you feel in there? Do you feel like you're just kind of overmatched? Do you feel like you know, do you feel like when you get in there and you try to get in that zone, do you feel like it's just not there for whatever reason? Only he knows that for sure. But, um, yeah, I think that this is just one of those things. Going into PFL Season 3, he was kind of one of those people to watch. He was one of the few people to watch outside of Kayla Harrison. And so we now have a setup. Uh, Magomed, Magomed Karamov, who, you know, hasn't lost since... Uh, I think since early season one, if not before the PFL, he had an injury that kept him out of the last, you know, the second complete season. So he didn't get to fight for that belt and Ray Cooper. But the fact is, now you have two PFL veterans going into the final. Ray Cooper really wants this one back. And I kind of had this question. Natalie, is it good or bad when you're free agent signing loses because on the one hand they obviously signed them to make you know to bring attention on the other hand when you know you have when your veterans beat the free agents yes it makes you look good but now you have the catch 22 what if your homegrown people leave and do you feel like you overpaid for signing somebody and i wanted your opinion on that this this can be a win-win if your big signing loses to someone that you you know you raised I guess from you know season one up. So in the case of of Ray Cooper and Rory McDonald, it gets a little tricky because when your hometown guy beats the you know the big fish from another pond, you want it to be in in, a, in like a decisive emphatic matter where you can say manner I should say where you you can tell people man this guy's so good he just destroyed this big name kind of like I, I felt kind of like when Clay Collard beat Anthony Pettis in that first round it's like oh my goodness he just came in and cleaned house like Anthony Pettis who Clay Collard really impressed me so with something like Ray Cooper it was not a thrilling fight he held him down and and you know he did what he had to do to get to the next round because what he really wanted was revenge right against Magomed. And and that makes sense. Okay, fine. So, so in that situation, it's like, well, you can showcase your hometown guy, Ray Cooper, impressive, powerful. I mean, he's so swole. He looks like he was inflated. You know, he's like his, his chest and his arms, like a balloon. And he's obviously really strong. Rory was obviously, you know, um, I say afraid, but didn't want to face the power, didn't want to stand with him. So that's something to get excited about. Um, The issue, I think, would be if, like, you know, you pay a lot of money for someone like Rory or Anthony Pettis, and they both lose, and that's what happened, right? So, like, you pay big money for these two big names. Uh, What I'm trying to get is, like, if it was, like, one of them that, that, like, underperformed it's like okay but when both of your big stars that you paid big money for former champions and they both just get cleaned up it's like okay on the one hand it looks good for our guys clay collard i can't remember the name of the other guy that beat anthony pettis um and Roy mcdonald but then it's like okay now what like 
do they bring value to season four? Because they both smoked. So it gets tricky. Um, and <laughs> I guess I'll leave it at that because I don't know. Like, if I think about it now, season four, I'm not going to be that excited to see Anthony Pettis or Roy McDonald anymore because they didn't even stand a chance this time. Like, they they didn't offer anything but great, like, commercials, like great promos. And then that's it. I mean, I, I think to me, it, it really is about who do you have long term. So, for example, let's say they got a couple of years of Ray Cooper. This is fantastic. If he leaves in free agency now, you have a catch-22, right? Because now it's like, oh, you know, we paid for somebody to give him legitimacy only for him to go away. Um, and I think that you see that possibly with a bit of A.J. McKee and, you know, the possible bidding war that may come uh, not too in the distant future for him. But um, when I thought about it, I was like, if you're PFL, I hope you have a lot of these guys on big contracts because I think that you've proven just how good they are now. On the other hand, you know, I, I, only they know. I, I know Rory was happy with his deal for PFL and I know that um, he probably would have gotten a big bonus winning the million. But going forward, you know, you have Anthony Pettis came up short, Verdum, um, uh, obviously Rory. I can't help but feel like, you know, they talked about, oh, the pay-per-view, right? We're going to do the PFL pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know that the new guys got enough shine off the veterans. Like, I don't know that you turned Clay Collard and, you know, Ray into pay-per-view attractions when you have UFC and boxing and Triller and Showtime. And um, I could be here for a minute, you know? Yeah, they definitely didn't. Because if you think about Clay Collard against Anthony Pettis, that was exciting. But then his fight on Friday against House, I can't remember Mentio, his last name. Yeah. yeah, that was like, it could have gone either way. I mean, in fact, every single person in the commentary and the verdict, you know, the MMA, the online uh, tally, they all had Collard winning. So it's like, okay. So it wasn't a, 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 a blowout. And not only was it not a blowout, but the guy everyone thought won didn't even get the nod. So, so that's not a lot of shine. Ray Cooper on Rory, like I said already, wasn't the most exciting fight. He did what he had to do to get by. Now, that being said, he still completely owned Rory, but he wasn't trying to finish him. Uh, so, so yeah, to your point, they didn't do enough to make me interested in a pay-per-view. To make, no, I shouldn't say me, because I'll probably watch it. To make, like, you know, your average combat sports fan interested in shelling out another 40 50 bucks for another pay-per-view not enough i think they should reconsider that i mean even before they're even before we had this conversation when we we're talking last week or whenever the news came out even then we were saying this is a bad idea pfl and now it's a really really bad idea pfl no pay-per-view yeah i'm interested to see how they mix it up i get they're trying to blow up the box and just really do something to get that attention I was listening to Helwani and he kind of said, because you have the exact same guys from season one already in season three, that it feels like it was a lateral move after two years, which I don't think is true. It's like, look, they they fought the guys in front of them. That's not their fault. But um, you look, the fact is we have a solid fight between two solid contenders, great win streaks. You don't get that being average, to be quite honest. So 
I am looking forward to seeing what they have next going into it. I do think that they are going to be one of the better finals in um, late October. We found out October 27th is the final. Uh, the only last thing about that, uh, Roush Manfio, I believe he was the uh, short notice replacement. And then he takes on Loik Rods. I keep messing it up. Rodzabov. And I believe Manfio is even a teammate of two-time champion Natan Schult, who could not have yeah. been happier for his buddy. So all I can say is, you know what? Good. You know what? Congratulations. Isn't that what it's all about? And we've seen it. Like, you got two guys who got the opportunity, won their fights, getting paid, stayed ready. You know what? Yeah. Isn't that the dream? Yeah, I mean, it's great for them. But it's not great TV for us. I mean, uh, well... I'm with you. It should have been collared, but look, I'm not gonna hate on the guy. He's not a judge, so because I do think even if you're talking about oh, what it be? Of course, PFL wanted collared. You know, they did the whole. You know that I know the story, but you know they played the you know the um the package for Clay Collard yes, and yes, his family, course, and uh-huh. it's like yeah, you know they wanted him to win, but we've already seen it a bit. Every now and then, when you leave it close, that's what happens. Yeah. So, um, that was quite the night. Coming up this, I believe it's this Thursday, Kayla Harrison against Jenna Fabian. Obviously, every Kayla Harrison appearance is kind of just covered by that cloud of free agency, but we'll get into that later. Um, Bellator, same night, almost at the same time. Gago Masasi pretty much, uh, John Salter was strong in the first round. And then Gegard's experience and his conditioning just kind of took over. Next thing you know, he's defending takedowns and starts giving John Salter the business. What I will say is that I was worried because when John Salter got him down in the first, I thought, oh, here we go. Another Lovato Jr. Maybe doesn't beat Gegard in every facet of the game, but he's still young and strong enough to keep him down and good enough to hold him down. And that's all you need to win. I like what I saw out of Gegard. I think that he looked very just eternal and dangerous. The wheels have not come off yet. What were your thoughts? The Yeah, wheels have not come off. Okay, I agree with that. Um, I did see it a little bit differently as far as conditioning. Like, to me, Gegard looked very tired at the end of two, at the beginning of three. And he did that really, you know, nice, like, pivot sprawl to get the top position on Salter and that finishing move, you know, to get the TKO. So that was great because if he had gotten taken down again, I don't think he would have uh, done too well. He would have survived the round probably, but his conditioning to me looked actually like bad. He looked like he was breathing heavy. He looked really tired. Now I know Gegard is a very relaxed, super chill dude. And so that, that could just be, I'm maybe I'm forgetting that's how he usually looks, you know, in between rounds and, and whatnot. Um, but I was happy to see that he was able to turn around and he had a lot of power, man. He was raining down hard, hard elbows, hard punches I just mean, around those, the ear there. Those didn't look that tired to me. Just saying. Those didn't look tired, bro. I, I give you that. They didn't look okay. tired for a second. And so I'm with you. It's just that before that happened to me, I was like, oh man, he looks freaking exhausted. This is going to be ugly. And then he freaking, you know, to use freaking twice. And then he, he, he gave him the, would you say he gave him the business? So he did. So he looked great. Good for him. Um, it just, I mentioned it because you mentioned condition. And I was like, I had the complete opposite reaction until the moment where he finished the fight. That's all. 
All right, I'll give you that one for sure. I get where you're coming from. Um, we already know his next fight. It's going to be against Austin Vanderford. Um, I believe still undefeated on a great win streak. Uh, the thing I've been impressed with by Austin, and um, more so than everything he's doing inside the cage, is just how well he's taken everything in stride. Yes, he is really overshadowed on social media, like just about everybody is, to be fair, by his wife, Paige Van Zant. The contender series, and, you know, he has a great fight, but Dana White doesn't pick him, and, you know, I will I will say, I think people forget that Dana got, like, a bunch of good people on Austin's episode. I look back, and I was like, that was a competitive field that night, but um, the fact is, he didn't get signed. He gets a good deal with Bellator. Big fish, small pawn, moves up to 185, keeps developing. Now has a chance to really announce himself if he could get this victory over, you know, just one of the premier vets and premier, really one of the last of the Mohicans in terms of the legends in Gega Musasi. Is he ready for that challenge just yet? I will say it's a tough mountain to climb, as uh, we just saw on Friday. But what I like about it, big, young, explosive, wrestling. You know he's going to be going out there to just look to try to get Gegard down and punish him. He's not going to try to outstrike with him. He's not going to try to roll and make it a jujitsu match. I think it's going to now be about Gegard's skills. Similar to what we saw, is he able to out, you know, outmaneuver a guy like Austin? Because uh, strength for strength, time to overpower him, I will say that that does not bode well for Gegard. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I think I think the advantage, if you're just looking at like stats, you're not looking at your know, stats like physical stats, you know, size, length, and and like punching power. It leans to me towards towards uh, Vanderford, but like you know, Gegard has that veteran savvy. And I think that's going to be probably his strongest asset going into the fight. Um, but it is a tricky one. This is like just thinking about it right now. If you force me to pick right now, I, I'm leaning towards towards Vanderford. Um, but any any sense? Did they say when they're expecting this fight to go down? Uh, no, I'm assuming they're going to wait and see just how Austin heals up and what the schedule is like. I wouldn't be surprised if we get um. Maybe a bit of a doubleheader in L.A. in like January mm, with um, yeah. McKee, McKee versus anybody. I don't I know we don't have a date yet, but I know that Gegard, they brought him to L.A. last time and I feel like he got a good pop. So he's a guy that really you could travel and put him anywhere, Europe, uh, you know, I think yeah. he fought in Hawaii. But yeah, so I, I think that probably December, January is where we're looking at it. Maybe February. I will say he kind of had the moment of the face-off like he you know he, he squares up with Austin and then he kind of looks at the big brace on Austin's arm like oh yeah <laughs> I, I'm really worried <laughs> and even Austin was like yeah I know <laughs> I was if you ask me it's like Austin you should have just taken that off for the photo man just for the photo yeah true story um I saw, so like before anything got rolling for the Grand Prix, uh, AJ McKee's at the forum, right? This is maybe last January, I believe. And 
AJ McKee is on crutches. And, you know, this is before AJ McKee is AJ McKee, right? And so, you know, I've known AJ a minute and I'm able to say to him, hey, AJ, what's up? And then he's like, yeah. And then I'm like, bro, what happened? And then I I say to him, it's like, bro, are you going to be able to do your face off? AJ, no lie. I wish I had video evidence. Throws down his crutches and then just starts walking normally like, oh, bro, I'm good the second it comes on. Wow. (laughs) So, Austin, take off the brace next time, man. Don't, don't, don't show that weakness. Let him figure it out later. <laughs> but oh, I saw that funny. and I was like, Gegard just owned him. It's like, oh yeah, I'm really worried, bro. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Um, one of those nights, uh, Rafian Stotts um, beat Magomed Magomedov. That was a very impressive fight at Bantamweight. There's a lot of Magomed going on. Yep, yep. That's why I'm chuckling. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... I'm just waiting. We need like a Magomed Magomed just to finish the, you know, the three pack. Yeah. You know what I mean? It seems to be very popular in like Eastern Europe, you know, like Gennady, Gennadyevich, <laughs> Golovkin, uh, Magomed, Magomed, Sharapov, Magomed. I, I just want to know it's a cultural thing. I don't want to find out that like they're charged for the more variety of letters they use, you know? <laughs> Like, the, oh, like we're sure this is a cultural thing. We're sure they're not being charged by the letter when they name these kids, right? Yeah, any extra, like additional letters from the alphabet that get chosen from apart from the first name, they get charged more. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's like that. It's like that gets confusing when you're at home too, right, guys? I just, <laughs> I just want to know. Like when your mom is, you know, calling for you guys, it's like, wait, what? Or in school. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, in school, it's like you can't you can't say you can't call anyone by their last name because like then the first half name. the room's gonna turn around. It, Are you calling my first name? You call my last name? I don't know. It's like I'm I'm saying I just want to know. I, I get it. It's popular over there. Um, talking about it, let, let's make a shift. MMA news. This one came out of left field, but I kind of like it. Anderson Silva. And Tito Ortiz coming back to action to box on the Triller undercard. So I'm assuming their co-main event to De La Hoya and Belfort on September 11th. Anderson is coming off that big boxing, well, not debut. He fought a long time ago, but his boxing fight against Chavez Jr. last June. And Tito Ortiz has not fought since he uh, really gave Alberto Del Rio the business in Combate Americas. <laughs> 2019 what were your thoughts oh my god i was excited to see that anderson silva was going to box again because he's he smoked travis jr like he owned him and that was pretty impressive i was so happy for silva to have that triumph tito ortiz is um, he's had an interesting like life post MMA glory so even you know when he was still doing competing in MMA but not at the top top level uh, you know that combate fight as a Bellator did he fight Chelsea in it was like kind of yeah a weird he fight did there he did they, like he, he tapped of, or something <laughs> yeah he did a bit of Bellator yeah yeah okay so it's been weird okay fine then the political thing extra weird he's you know hasn't painted the greatest picture of himself in the last few years and so i don't think this is gonna help frankly because he's not like known for his stand-up in mma 
Now we're talking boxing rules. That's a whole other thing. And we just saw his opponent, Anderson Silva, beat the brakes off a professional boxer with like a strong pedigree. Now he's, you know, he's got his own story, but that was a great win for him. So doesn't look good for, for Tito Ortiz. Like this, he's going to come out of this with more egg on his face, but I don't care because I'm just happy to see Anderson Silva boxing. And I think he's going to beat him pretty soundly. Yeah, I don't think I could say more about uh, Tito's life outside the cage. I think that social media is documented. Um, <laughs> look, it, he's got some opinions and he speaks his mind. And that's all I can really say about that. Just I think. Do that, you, Tito. I think everyone could watch the videos and make their opinion for themselves about it. Um, with uh, In terms of Tito boxing, one thing I will acknowledge is that I've never seen him enter a fight and think Tito skipped a workout. I, I will acknowledge that Tito, even in these last few, looks strong, looks in shape. The one thing I will say about Tito Ortiz, and I've, I actually say this a lot, very few guys I've said this about, his, for all those muscles, I'm not, I've never been sold on Tito's punching power. And I mean from like mid-2000s when he was the man. Like, mm -hmm. it, he just, look, he's got big guns, he's got huge arms. He's always got a sculpted chest. I have never seen, you know, him really crack somebody and, oh my gosh, he's just got that kind of power. Like, you know, big guns, small bullets. I don't know what else to say. Um, <laughs> uh, Chuck Liddell, like, uh, even Chuck, who we knew couldn't take a punch anymore when they fought in the trilogy, it's not like Tito did it with one shot. He had to connect on multiple to put Chuck down. And so that's my thing. Uh, Tito is big, strong, in the clinch. I expect him to be as dangerous as you expect a guy his age and his build to be in the clinch. That being said, throwing hands in the middle of the ring, that's where, you know, I have questions. Anderson Silva, once again, you know, I, I don't... I think Tito's uh, noticeably going to be a lot bigger than Chavez Jr. was, but I will also acknowledge once again that we have a, you know, it's a different rule set. And it, it just really depends on how does he deal with that size of Tito Ortiz at this stage of his career. Remember, Anderson may not want to test and get punched with Tito, no matter what he thinks of the power. So that's my thing about it. I think that it's, uh, I'll say this, it's great that I, I like that they got him in L.A. And I think that's a big reason why this fight came together. Tito doesn't have to travel. Anderson doesn't have to travel. You know, they're going to sleep in their own bed that you know the night of the fight well maybe yeah. not tito you know it's a long drive <laughs> to the oc but yeah you know uh I, I think that's why it got done they're both southern california guys i think that they it, i know that tickets and everything are still kind of up in the air with los angeles i do believe that um their booking was in large part to help fill the house at the staples center yeah, that that makes sense. Although I would have figured Oscar De La Hoya on his own could have would have been enough to fill it. You know, maybe I mean, this is not his backyard. At, maybe not at his age. I think that's maybe. it. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm saying, but I do think that it's still standard price ticket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, Silva's a legend, and Tito Ortiz has his own like status here in Southern California too. So if they're looking to bring in more folks from, you know, OC, then that's their man for sure. Um, 
Yeah, so it's it's smart. You you build a big, uh, you fill the Staples Center with just fan, our local fans of of you know local guys. I mean, that's a smart strategy. And they also got remember they both have enough pull they could get non MMA. Put it this way, I think a lot of people at this stage, any chance you get to see Silva perform, I, and I will acknowledge there's going to be a good amount of the fan base. They never saw Oscar fight live. This is their chance to do it. Maybe the same for Vitor. And I think that that's gonna that's what they're banking on is all those different fan bases getting galvanized to buy tickets. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. That's it's not too far away. It's but less than a month out now. So I do think that that I'm waiting to see them do the press conference. I'm waiting to see them come out and talk. That's just really it for me. I, I just am ready for that. Um, there was a lot of chatter around town, which I feel like I really like the name. I almost might make that a segment on these slow weeks. But um, let's just get into some of the smaller points. So per Ariel Helwani. Um, the UFC looks to be targeting, after all, Rosnam Yunus against Zhang Weili 2 over the rematch with Carla Esparza. Uh, no date given. I will roll the dice and say that November has to still be a possibility, but I will acknowledge that we did not get that information. What were your thoughts? I'm not surprised that it's Weili Zhang for the, for the rematch as the next uh, defense, or the first title defense of the second you know championship. Uh, holding for Rose. Um, it sucks for Carla because that's a great story too. But I think it's hard to imagine that there isn't just more interest all around in the all the markets, Asian market, you know, US market to see Rose um, fight Whaley again. Because you know it's going to be an exciting fight no matter what. Not to say the Carlos Sparza fight won't be. Just, and, it, and it, you know, because Carla's going to probably try to take her down as much as she can, but I think Rose is just so much, um, you know, she's so skilled now compared to she compared to how she was when they first fought, that even that's not going to be an obstacle for Rose. But it's still like you, can, it's still just there's no way to get around the fact that a fight against Whaley is more exciting than a fight against Carla. No offense to Carla because she's, you know, made great improvements and I really enjoy watching her fight. So you know, it makes sense. But now, how long is Carla going to have to wait for her title shot? And does she fight somebody else in the meantime? She shouldn't. But you also don't want to just sit on your on your butt for that long. Because, you know, what happens in the fight with Wei Li? Is Rose going to be ready to come back? How soon? So this really throws a wrench in Carla Sparza's future. Uh, uh, short, you know, um, shorthand future. Yeah, I think that the writing was on the wall when we saw that um, Dana wouldn't commit to it after Carla beat um, Jan Chanan. Yep. I think that, you know, we saw it with Colby. Like, no matter what Leon Edwards did or Gilbert or Wonderboy, he was like, Colby's next. I think that he's aware that Carla has all the credentials going into it, but I think that it was just business. For everything you said, I'm not going to rehash anything. I agree with everything. It's just a bigger fight. I am surprised. Um, and then a little bit for Rose, too. I don't know how much push she gave on it, but I felt like she might have even wanted Carla just to kind of... I mean, how do you top the first one? You get what I mean? Especially yeah. just right now. I get if, you know, if Wei Lee were to go out there and maybe she smokes Carla or... 
you know, the winner of Mackenzie Dern and Marina, um, maybe. But I think that in a, running it back immediately, I'm actually a little surprised, to be honest. So, or um, for Rose, business-wise, I agree with you there. Um, I am interested to see what, you know, Carla, does she try to be a backup? Does she wait? Does she try to get a fight? I do think that that's going to be the more telling question. Um, Sean O'Malley. It looks like uh, they're trying to get him to take a fight in New York, preferably against Frankie Edgar. I know Sean was talking about some going on with it. I think he said he was even like they asked him for New York, but he preferred Vegas, something along those lines. Um, What I will say I find more interesting, the Frankie Edgar fight. I think that that is... Dare I say it, at this stage of his career, that feels like some Jake Paul matchmaking. Because <laughs> uh, uh, quite simply, I think that Sean is on a very decent upswing. I respectfully cannot say the same about Frankie Edgar. So I really thought Marab Valishvili, um, even a Rob Font or someone like that, I really felt like, hey, you know, let's, let's really talk about those fights now. Um, Frankie Edgar is a vet. But at this stage of the game, I just don't see Frankie Edgar at that point that I feel like a win over him looks nice on your Wikipedia page. It doesn't exactly galvanize me to say you are ready for the Aljos and Pewters and Corys and TJs of the division. Yeah, it it doesn't, although it did for Corey. Um, but, you know, that was that was a pretty spectacular finish. Um it's, but I will say, I feel like we regarded Frankie a little different going in than we did coming out. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, now it's like um, gatekeeper status or maybe a notch below, you know, and so that's not fair to Frankie. Like, we can be, you know, we don't have to do gimme fights, but we can do generous matchups, you know, like, let's do something that makes more sense. What does Frankie really want at this point? Does he... Does he really think he can make a run for the belt? I mean, we know he... I shouldn't say we know he can't, but it seems unlikely. But how does he feel? I don't know. And this is a tough matchup. Sean O'Malley's not going to pull any punches, and nor he shouldn't. You know, you're there to, to win. It's, you know, every man for himself. Uh, but it just seems kind of like more unfair to Frankie than it does beneficial to, to Sean O'Malley, to your point. Like, how much does that do for him? to beat Frankie Edgar, who's already on, you know, has already had to go down two divisions and, and, you know, had like a, a fraction of, lo- of, of good, good showing at 135, but then just started, you know, getting kind of, kind of beat up. So, oh, I, I worry about this one because the only way for it to really mean something for Sean O'Malley is Sean O'Malley is for him to do something like what Corey Sanhagen did to Frankie, which is like a quick, brutal first round finish. And I just don't want to see that. And so that's why it kind of, it kind of, you know, wrinkles my nose. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I think if UFC keeps offering him those fights, I can't say that it's like, well, I can't really judge him. UFC has the final say. What I will say is I do think he's plenty talented enough to win some of these harder fights, to be quite honest with you. So to me, it's a little surprising because I think if you're Sean O'Malley, you know, I think getting some of these guys at this stage of your career is actually pretty good. 
I think one or two of those fights, and you know, because I think personally he takes out one of the other guys. I can't see him in that conversation. You know, I, I asked Megan O'Leary like, hey, everyone talks about like, oh, when I met him, I knew he was a star, and ask her about, did you feel that when you felt when you met Conor McGregor? And since Conor, have you ever felt that way in a, about anybody else? And Megan O'Leary says to me, off the top of my head, the only person I can think that has that quote unquote oh, he's going to be a star, is Sean O'Malley. So I say this with full confidence in Sean. So the fact that I, they're going with this direction, possibly, I'm a little, I'm a little head-scratching. Like I said, I think that um, it, he's plenty talented to do it, but I'm just a little surprised that that's the direction they choose to go with because I think there are a bunch of Bantamweights that are really ready to go, and that would be a good fight too. Uh, the next one, Gable Stevenson, um, the Olympic gold medalist. By the way, buzzer-beating victory. That is, I, I know there's not that big moment where we watch the clock collectively because of the way it's set up, but just, man, that's how you do it for all the marbles, you know, talk about being clutch. And he's already got this, like, flirtation. He's, like, you know, waving at the UFC and WWE. And it's apparently all completely valid. Now, I will acknowledge it seems like everyone's saying that Gable is going to go back to college. He wants to get his education and wrestle, probably win a couple national championships. But I think the big question is now, could you see a big MMA company like a Bellator UFC making an offer and offering this guy gold medalist? But the fact is he's 0-0 fighting in their company in some way. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, Bellator and especially Bellator and PFL um, are have been really uh, careful about matchmaking for special athletes like this. You know, Bellator with, I'll say with Jake Hager, like they, they've matched him up really well, given him a chance to build his confidence, to develop his skill set, to grow the fan base. And PFL did it with Kayla Harrison in the first season before she actually joined the tournament and doing it with Clarissa Shields. So these guys know how to do, um, you know, competitive matchmaking that isn't going to derail the the you know the trajectory of these stars that are trying to build into MMA like you know Olympic stars are trying to build into MMA stars. Uh, UFC hasn't really done that. Well, okay, they haven't really done that lately. So if UFC wants him then I think they should really consider not throwing him into the fire right off the bat because that's sort of their style. You know, you think of um, your favorite, and I can't remember his name, who fought Mickey Gall. <clears throat> Mr. Um, Punk. Yes, CM Punk. You think about CM Punk, right? And even no, Sage, I don't. Even Sage Northcutt. <laughs> you don't think about it, yeah. Even Sage Northcutt. You know, Paige Van Zandt. They weren't Olympians, but it's similar. Um you know, and they didn't do them any favors in in the uh, in the matchmaking. And furthermore, I think where they really hinder their their progression is in like the hype machine. They put them into the hype machine way too fast, way too hard. And so, the UFC is the, probably the best place for him to go. But does the UFC have the patience to build him the way Bellator or PFL have shown they can do? I'm not sure. Um, so what I really want is for him to go to the place that's going to do that. That's going to give him a chance to grow and develop. 
And I don't know. I want it to be the UFC, but I don't know if they're willing to play that game. You know, uh, I think that um, if it were, it would be similar to what they did with Greg Hardy and be like, look, get some wins in an LFA or something and we'll talk. Which is completely fair because you get the feeling like they'll probably pay Gable a little bit more to fight a few times in LFA before making him another deal to be UFC. Which if you, if this what he really wants, then that's a win-win. That being said, um, if it's a matter of, hey, we're going to just throw you into the deep end, I don't know. I, I, I think that that's going to be more interesting. I don't... I will acknowledge, even for... No matter who you are, gold medal in boxing, gold medal wrestling, judo, there's a learning curve, no matter how good and athletic you are. So where you start with him in a UFC, I'm not sure. I could see Bellator and PFL doing it. I think there's just less uh, raised eyebrows there. And then I'm hearing about WWE, and truth be told, if that bag is on the table, I mean, look, I don't know you, Gable Stevenson, but... You know, one guy to another who, you know, if I'm in your shoes, get the bag. Secure it. (laughs) Honestly, you know what? Uh, If you really want to fight MMA, UFC is not going anywhere. You want to do a couple years pro wrestling and now you're earning pay-per-view points in your debut. That's something. More time to work with the boxing and kickboxing coach and jiu-jitsu. Um, in between your WWE stuff, go for it, man. But, but I will I mean, just say this. Yeah. I, I say this to any fighter. Unless it's honestly something like immediate titles, secure the bag. Once again, I repeat, secure the bag. <laughs> uh, Roger, Roger, secure the bag. Um, I Yeah, you know, DC is telling him go to WWE. I think he posed for a picture with uh, Brock Lesnar, right? A shirtless uh, Instagram photo. So he's definitely teasing all the right places. And that worked out for Brock pretty darn well, right? Yep. So, yeah, it's hard to argue against that. It really is. You know, you can go beat yourself up in MMA or you can go beat yourself up in WWE for way more money, way more exposure, and then, like, triple, quadruple that that money when you decide to actually go compete in MMA wherever you go. So, yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> Secure the bag. Yeah, that just... Yeah, I'm not going to add more to it. I think people understand my thoughts right now. <laughs> um, finally, uh, Julia Budd, um, free agent, already mentioning PFL. Um, UFC is not out of the question. And I didn't post it in an interview, but uh, Bellator, not out of the question. Uh, very bluntly, if UFC does not offer Julia a deal, should we assume that they won't offer a deal to Kayla Harrison? Oof. Well, that's tricky because it's 145 versus 155, right? No, well, you um, know Kayla if she comes over well, she, 145. Yes, like yes, she'll yes, have to yeah, cut. She did. She'll have to cut. Who did she? Which is Invicta? Or who did she fight for? Uh, Invicta. She did a 145er. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that is that's a fair assumption to make because if you bring over Kayla Harrison, you need competition for her. And apart from Amanda Nunes, who you wouldn't pit her against right away, 
what better competition than someone who was a long-running champion at 145 uh, at Bellator? That's a great matchup. And at that point, you could say, you know, champion, PFL champion, Bellator champion, coming together, winner fights Amanda Nunes. That's a good story. So, um, if yeah, if they don't sign Julia Budd, I think the chances are pretty low that they're going to sign Kayla Harrison because that's probably Julia Budd is probably the best competition you can offer to Kayla Harrison. You know, outside of PFL. Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say outside of PFL. Outside or in the UFC, right? Like if yeah. you have an opportunity to sign Julia Budd, but you do it really because you want Kayla Harrison. Because you can't, like I said, you can't you can't match her up with the Mandarins right off the bat. That's just that's just kooky. I think it's kooky because then you just you're pretty much then your division's over again. And then what's Kayla Harrison going to do? So yeah, you need someone like Julia Budd. That would be really smart. What could possibly happen? You know, could we run into a Michael Chandler situation where Bellator wants to keep her, and they offer whatever they offer, but the UFC is the UFC, and would she be willing to take a pay cut just to go to the UFC? If I'm Kayla Harris, if I'm Julia Budd, I say like, well, you got to give me more of a division before I go to any other promotion besides Bellator, because there's no more robust division than than the Bellator 145 female division. So there's a lot of stuff to consider. You don't want no competition, even if you're getting to fight in the octagon versus the cage. Yeah, to me, um, I can't really reiterate much more. If Kayla Harrison comes over, I will say I could see them doing an immediate twofer with uh, Amanda, you know, fight if she wins, immediate rematch. But I I do think that, uh, look, let's just say it bluntly. Outside of, I did, uh, by the way, Drake Riggs, shout out, friend of mine, he interviewed Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont said, I have to win at 145 because otherwise I am killing myself to make 35. Now, she did say she was willing to because she thought that was the only future, but she's aware that stuff at UFC at 145 is kind of shaken up. I'm also hearing about, they offered Aspen Ladd, Felicia Spencer, if she wanted a fight recently. So, um, at 145. So that says to me they're trying to spin the wheels, but once again, they're not spending new money. And once again, a lot of these 35ers, they know they perform most optimally at 35. Holly Holm, Aspen Ladd. Um, Norma, I I think that uh, I want to see how she does for a little bit. But really, when you look at 145 right now, it's Amanda, Felicia, Norma, Danielle Wolf. Those are the only four. By the way, Amanda's that asterisk because she's the 35 champ. So you have Danielle, Felicia, Norma. Holly Holm is coming in, but she's kind of a 135-er. So now you really talk about what's Kayla Harrison going to do. Are you going to fight a Felicia Spencer? Are you going to fight a still only 1-0 Danielle Wolf? Norma Dumont still developing, I'll be honest with you. I think that bringing in Julia Budd, now, we, now we're talking. Now there's a long-term plan, like you said. If you don't make a deal for Julia, I, I really don't know if even the athletes coming in. I don't know if Kayla Harrison's just going to be like, uh, I'm not going to sign a twofer. Uh, like I, there's just no future built here. So I think that that's going to be the thing. If they sign Julia, that's a good sign. If they don't, I don't know. It's going to be on how bad does uh, 
just how much does it mean to everybody involved, Amanda, Kayla, and the UFC? Because otherwise, uh, I think if you don't bring in Julia or Kayla, I don't see anything that's going on at 145 that's appealing for Amanda Nunes, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, in which case I feel like it's on Bellator to, to show the big bucks to Julia Budd to keep her so that they can then entice Kayla Harrison. We have Julia Budd. We have Chris Cyborg. We have Kate Katzengano. Like, let's go. These are these are big names. They're not Amanda Nunes, but Chris Cyborg is still pretty much up there with Nunes. Uh, Julia Budd, long-running champion. Like, we can do more here for you at Bellator. Like, there's a guarantee of action. At UFC, you're always going to be wondering, well, I already fought two, two, two fighters. Now what? So... I think the pressure is more on Bellator to to really show the big butts. They have to keep Julia Budd to get Kayla Harrison. I will say the only way this could blow up, somehow they don't make a deal for Julia, but they make a deal for Kayla. And Julia kind of ends up being big fish, small small pond in PFL, which isn't a bad thing for your wallet, to be honest. But that's the only way I could see it blowing up. And is that impossible? No. But I will say it would be very unexpected if we're talking about smart business. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, uh looks like um, Adesanya Whitaker 2 going to be pushed to next year. Uh, kind of not surprising. We talked about it. There's only a couple pay-per-views left. And there's just... Everybody left is most likely going to headline their own card. Nganu versus Gone. Nganu versus anybody, let's be honest. And then, obviously, Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier. The UFC, honestly, could book all three of those fights. No other title. And you probably still have a solid, successful pay-per-view. So, I'm not surprised that they are kind of letting them headline their own card. What I will say is now December becomes interesting. Because um, November has Usman Covington... December, do you think we're going to see Nganu or do you think we're going to see Charles Oliveira at the top? I think it's going to be Charles Oliveira. Yeah. I don't know why I feel like Nganu's not going to be till 2022. I think he was he was uh really, you know, not a secret. He was really upset by the interim title and like you you know, it's either going to send you one or two ways like, "Hey man, let me fight this interim guy and just, you know, just delete this from the from the record books already so that, you know, we can forget about this interim nonsense." Or like, "No, nah, I'm going to let you guys stew in your juice a little bit and um, you know, I'll fight the interim or whoever when I'm ready." I think it's going to be more the latter. And so I don't think we'll see Ngannou fight until 2022 January, I guess. I could see that. I'm wondering are they going to do a fight island thing? I wonder how much, what is the status of a New Zealand card for those guys, for Whitaker and Adesanya? Yeah. I, I just see, I just feel like we're going to get a fight island for Nganu or a fight island for Adesanya. I just think they're going to do it. If the schedule is anything like this year, they're going back to Abu Dhabi in January. So Imagine that. Well, that would be a heck of a fight island card. Adesanya, Whitaker, Nganu gone. I don't know if they do- I don't know if they double them up. I think we might only be one. I don't know. Oh, come on, Double G. I mean, they might do. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I, if there's two champions, I think they'd do it. Or Adesanya, Kamaru. But I don't know. I think they know that they could get more bang for their buck separating those two champions in particular. 
That's fair because heavyweights in general always get a lot of attention and gone especially. And then the way gone beat Derek Lewis, like there's a lot of attention on him too. And the way he punked him in Houston, like, yeah. Okay, but still, <laughs> that would be freaking uh, awesome. Look, we'd all love for all the champions to fight, and it's like the most mega pay-per-view ever, but that's if not how this works. they could all just fight, like, in July and then December, everybody, <laughs> and then we wouldn't have to buy pay-per-views the rest of the year. Now, what That'd if be... it was like, what if they did that, but it's like 150 pay-per-view? That's not so far <laughs> off, man. Like, okay, that would just be like the price all of right. three pay-per-views. Okay, like... You know what I'm saying? Not even. That's that's like the price of two and a half pay-per-views. So that's true. What two pay-per-views. It, what am I talking about? What if it were like 200? <laughs> two hundred? Oh, now you got me doing arithmetic that I can't do. So that's four hundred a year versus like what is it, sixty-four ninety-nine or seventy now? It's a about month? seventy. Yeah. Times twelve. What's that? One eighty-six. So. I'm just- it's- it's like, because no, look, the, what's that? 192? I don't know. Those mega pay per views like May Mac, May, uh, May Pack, um, you know, with yeah. Mayweather McGregor, Mayweather Pack, yeah, they were like 100. Um, yes. So that's why I'm yeah. like, if it were 150, is that too outrageous? But fans are you, I think if fans knew you were getting that much, it wouldn't be a big deal. But that's uh, another story for another day. Anyway, this show has gone long. We still have one more big one. Uh, UFC Vegas 34. The UFC obviously on hiatus this week. Now they're back. And we got some middleweight action. Jared Cannonier taking on Kelvin Gastelum. Jared has not fought since last October. He injured his shoulder fighting Robert Whitaker. Kelvin recently fought, I believe it was May. And that was against uh, Whitaker as well. He stepped in for Paulo Costa and um, lost the decision to Rob. I think for this one, Natalie, um, and we'll get in Texas and O's, but for me, the real story, um, first, bluntly, I think uh, Kelvin Gastelum, he really stops the bleeding with his career. I mean, he's a guy who you beat Jared, you kind of keep yourself in the top five conversation with those guys. You lose, you're taking on a lot of guys on undercards. You're not really in any spotlight kind of fight in the middleweight division. For Cannoneer now... I'm aware that in about less than a month, Darren Till's coming up. If Adesanya beats Whitaker and Till wins, we know they've been jawing at each other for a long time. It would most likely finally happen. If Till does not win, I acknowledge that this is now the perfect opportunity for Cannoneer to get his title shot if Adesanya beats Whitaker. By the way, Robert Whitaker has literally beaten all four of these guys coming up, Till, Brunson, Gastelum and Cannoneer so who would he fight I'm not sure but I just acknowledge that an Adesanya victory is interesting for Cannoneer and everybody else really let's be honest we're kind of we've officially lapped the field at 185 yeah that's that's true it's pretty uh (laughs) Rob Rob Whitaker has run the table yeah he's done a lot of good work hasn't he um so yeah, it's uh, it, it, yeah, Cannoneer has has everything to uh, to 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 gain here with the victory, and jumping the gun a little, I think he's got a pretty good chance. Like, you know, I've we've talked about this before, and I've been pretty adamant about saying, you know, Calvin Gastelum just hasn't looked the same since he lost to Adesanya. It's been a downward, you know, trajectory for him. And he has, like, moments here and there. But, yeah, even against Robert Whitaker, like, 
what do I remember from that fight is how awesome Robert Whitaker looked. And this is a this is a tough one for Calvin. Like this is going to be the one that turns his career to, all right, you're still a top contender to, or, well, okay, now you're going to be like a gatekeeper, and and you know you can hold on to gatekeeper status for as long as you as you're able to. But then after that, I don't know. So, um, you know, a lot on the line for both for Cannonier. It's a win gets you right back in that conversation for a title. For Gastelum, a win just keeps him from falling further down um, the rankings. So it's just almost like a you know st- uh, holding steady uh, is what a win gets him. Um, I think to me the biggest thing about this one is the movement. I think that if uh, Cannoneer. I think that's his one biggest drawback. He's a powerful, powerful athletic guy, but his um his movement, he could get a little stationary. He doesn't have that flow that I wish he did to be quite honest with you. Um and that bodes well for Kelvin Gastelum. His wrestling, his speed, his ability to get in and out. He's a shorter guy and he makes it work for him, plain and simple. What I will say is obviously, you know, when you talk about getting inside, why is that important? Is because Cannoneer has proven himself to be one of those, you know, unstoppable forces. When he starts cracking you with stuff, guys go to sleep. Guys' knees break. A lot of bad stuff happens when Cannoneer is really unloading against you. Um, does Cannoneer have all that speed coming out of uh, injury? That's another question. But to me, I think what it's going to come down to is if Jared can keep Kelvin at that mid-range, I think if he could do that, this probably bodes well for him. If Kelvin can get in on those takedowns, suddenly we're having a different conversation. If he's getting in and out with the speed, probably a little different conversation. But standing in the middle, trading one or two punches... I think that's Jared Cannonier's fight all night. So I think it's going to be on Kelvin to make something happen and close that distance. And I, I will agree with you. I think that he's a tough guy. I think that um, I acknowledge he's fought a lot of good dudes. I just feel like Jared Cannonier, if it's the Jared we're familiar with, this is a tough fight for Kelvin. Stylistically, it's not the worst one for him. But once again, it's really going to come down to him making something happen. Because I think that uh, if he's too passive, this is just a very Jared Cannonier fight. And uh, that's my pick. I'm going to go Jared. <sighs> I hate to say it because I like Kelvin personally. But I think it's going to be a third round TKO for uh, the Killer Gorilla. And his personalized gloves that we talked about on Fight Island that one time. <laughs> If, if you, by the way, if you missed it, it's because you were probably talking about the Nelk boys, but that's another story. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, man. I think I actually had to text you, like, who, who are these people? Like, oh, oh, I was in the episode. It's like, yeah, after 10 minutes of Nelk. <laughs> yep. Like, what? Um, but I was there. Yeah. I was in yeah. the, yes, I was in the Nelk boys episode of Embedded for Fight I'm Island. Sure Look it yeah. up. <laughs> Um, I'm with you on the victor. It's going to be Jared Cannonier. Third round TKO. Yeah, I can see that. But I'm trying to think when was the last time that Kelvin was 
finished. I know he was, who submitted him? I can't remember. Hermanson, <laughs> yeah, Jack? Yeah, first round. Okay, that was kind of like, not a fluke, but okay. But I mean, like, finished with punches. I don't know. Um, I think he's still got enough of a chin to hang in there. So I think it's going to be a unanimous decision, Jerry Cannonier. All right, all right. Well, there we have it. We are in accordance. We have a Jared Cannonier victory. One of us will get uh, extra bragging rights, depending on <laughs> how far the fight goes. And Natalie, that's it. Looking ahead to next week, we do have UFC action. But then I remembered and I added this. It's your favorite type <laughs> of combat sports. It is here. Jake Paul against Tyron Woodley. What are you looking forward to? Dude, I'm excited about it. I actually am. I know Tyron Woodley hasn't looked great in the cage. Although his last fight, before he got um, darsed by Vicente Luque, he looked better than he had previous fights. I think his confidence is high because he just has to worry about boxing. So just specifically train that. He's got Floyd Mayweather in his corner, at least for that one video. You know, maybe they I don't know how long he's actually spent with him. How much time? Not, I don't mean in his corner, literally, because I don't know. But, you know, he's been tra- getting some kind of input into his boxing by Floyd Mayweather. Jake Paul is, you know, polarizing, odious to some. And I think Tyron Willie has a chance. And so I'm very excited. <laughs> you know, okay, so to me, it's all about what does it, what does a win and loss mean, right? I mean... For my heart, I don't know if I could see this loss for Tyron. I feel like I just don't want to see what happens to that man if he were to lose. Like, I just, I, he's a lot better than a lot of these fights have shown. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. yes like, he's a sure. much, I, I, look, he's, he's just been a, a, up there against freaking high level guys. And yeah. maybe he's not there anymore, but he's a great fighter. But man, just. When you've gone from there to losing to Jake Paul, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Um, but man, like, I, I'm confident, like, that's what I want to see because Tyron is not Ben Askren and he's not Nate Robinson. Nope. I mean, Tyron, you know, like, I, I want to see that a guy like that fighting Jake and that's what we're getting. Um, Jake is bigger and all that stuff. We're going to get into all that, but... If Jake wins, I mean, where do we go from here? Tommy Fury's on the undercard. He wants Canelo. He wants Gervonta. He wants KSI. I'm like, I don't know. What I will say is this. They're going to need something new if Jake Paul wins. I I don't know. They need somebody who talks. They need somebody like... You need somebody legit you think is going to starch Jake Paul. More than... Not an MMA guy either. You really want to get people to pay for it again. You need somebody who, you know, looks and sounds and has the credentials to be the guy. Because if Jake Paul beats Woodley, it's open season on everyone near his weight class in MMA. Yeah, yeah. Trying to think, like, what boxer could come in and do that. I don't know. Tommy Fury is big, but I don't know, stylistically. How big is Ryan Garcia? Too small. He's too small. Too small. <laughs> Trust me, I thought of that. Too small. <laughs> I'm thinking like, who's retired? I know Miguel Cotto is a very small, but who's retired? Oh, that's oh what about one. um, 
Chino Maidana. You know, he's gained a lot of weight lately. Okay, that's just me. <laughs> no, it can't be. It's got to be a bigger guy. Yeah, Sergio Martinez. Gega Musasi. Gegard Musasi. Ooh, that's a good one, dude. But you think you think Roy McDonald could muster up some gumption to beat Jake Paul? I but just. Went, I, I thought of the answer. I'm not going to say it out loud because I don't want to oh, say yeah. it. He, 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 we need a trash talker. You're right. He wouldn't do. He wouldn't do justice on the on the marketing on the promo side. GSP know. won't get. Well, he tried already with Oscar De La Hoya, and they shut it down. So GSP would give that boy the business. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Our hero would return to save our <laughs> honor of MMA. That's why Anderson yeah. Silva, man, beating Chavez Jr. didn't get all the attention it deserved, but that's a big deal. You know what? I know it, Chavez. It, I know where Chavez Jr. is in his career, but still, it's a if big Anderson deal. beats Tito, one eighty-five, Jake Paul, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Anderson, Jake, I'm here. <laughs> all right. That that now there's the there's champion the we've been waiting for. <laughs> anyway. Guys, we'll get into X's and O's, Tyron versus Jake, and everything else. We'll recap all the action next week. Until then, thanks for hanging out. Have a good one. See you next time.